Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another Wednesday night party time with uh, this is super exciting to me. Going to be just hanging out with Kyle. Seems like every time we get together, there's sort of a crowd and those episodes are extremely fun. But I am sure that we're overdue to just kick it like bros. Gabe's out uh, in his own words. He's out sick tonight. So just the two of us. Maybe we'll get some calls. Maybe we'll get some questions. I think you and I could just talk for hours without any you know, extra help, but we are open to consider some, you know, questions or topics from the audience. That could be fun too. We're just here doing the thing. Kyle Denton of Typical New Herbs. Welcome, my brother. How you doing? Whoa, man. Thanks. So glad to be here. Thanks, Chance. I'm, uh, I want to send my uh, very best etheric healing energies over to Gabe. Sorry to miss you tonight, buddy. And I'm happy to Take up the side sidekick position tonight. Hang out like an old school vibrant man. It is. It's going good, man. I'm really. I'm just. Uh, I'm energetically trying myself back on. I've just been away for a month. I was over in Italy, being uh, a foreign, being an in-law, <laughs> being on kind of used to it at all. Being away from. I don't know, just controlling my, my space. Um, and so here I come back to the place I call home that I control my space a little bit better and it feels weird. I'm trying to like figure out my, uh, my energy (laughs) back on in all these different ways. I feel like I energetically grew a couple of kilograms in Italy with all the (laughs) croissants and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, it's all good, man. It's, it's, it's fun. It's, a I think it's kind of new year stuff. I feel excited about the lunar new year. Um, my birthday or what, what can I call it instead? You know, I, I, I can, ex, I can understand that that's a legal term and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'll, I'll see that with a placenta with a candle on top and a wish to blow it out. And my, um, and my son, he also has his anniversary of his emergence and first breath coming up here so we're kind of like buddy aquarian buddies and so we are getting Winter's fired up. Again? mine is the eighth and my okay. and davide is the 15th and he's he, right now he's stationing his mars return his first two-year-old mars return and he's flared up with a fever and a rash and the zoomies you know it's like a great um a great example of not treating the number and not necessarily looking at the condition, looking at the whole person, because right now, you know, if you're to put a thermometer and you would see, you know, it's beeping and it's three digits. Well, he wouldn't know it because he's zooming around with all of this extra abundance of energy and love to give. And he's basically just kind of uh, pruning his, his extra synapses. He woke up in the middle of the night last night with like, just a, a, a brilliant comprehension of language <laughs> just like overnight boom what a legend it, it, it's really where's his really, mars returning in like house and and sign he's got a a conjunction of mars and venus in capricorn when so it's like mars is exalted in capricorn and venus ain't so bad there either and so that's why he's so beautiful and uh and such a go-getter <laughs> he really is beautiful uh and and uh so that's that's what that's what was going on over the last couple of days and it was leaving that and um 
yeah, now, man, it's just so, it's so fun. I, I study astrological charts every day, but I do it of the, of the house. So I'm looking at my wife's every day. I'm looking at Davide's every day. I'm looking at mine. And it's a really great way of learning astrology is just learning the people that are around you and finding uh, ways of like, for example, like I knew a few weeks ago that I should prepare myself for my son's Mars return. And that when these things came up, it just don't be alarmed, uh, have a little extra time in the day to prepare for a nap so that I can make it through this and not feel frustrated and, and have to push back against it. And instead just let it express itself to its, to the form that it wants to and, uh, let it roll. And so that's, that's a really fun study for me is just looking at, um, these charts and these transits in this way. And then also because I, am aware of the exact, I don't know, within 10 minutes of when he was conceived. Like I, I know it. And so, um, I not only have that, you know, emergence a natal chart and so-called, but I also have the con- conception chart, uh, to play around with and all the different tools that you can use with the sidereal, with the, um, uh, looking at the sky, looking at the um, tropical astro- astrological charts, all these, there's, it's just so much, so fun to, it's just a lifelong study with just your family. It's awesome. So yeah. Just My been, wife does that. She, uh, she's kind of is the, the chart monitor for the family. And we've taken up a custom where when either of us is moon is returning, which she pays attention to, we, we will make sure that the other one knows and, that, uh, you know, we can do a little extra caretaking for the one whose moon is in its return for, <laughs> for Jennifer. Her moon's in cancer. So it's like just provide a cozy, safe, comfy environment for her. And she's great for me. Moon and Libra it took me a couple times of paying attention. But what I've noticed is I really <laughs> which is in Libra right now when the moon's in Libra, I, I really like things to be decided for me. <laughs> Which is weird, but it kind of makes sense. Like, uh, yeah, just pick for me. Yeah, I, I trust your judgment. That's kind of how I feel about it. It's usually the the dinner question <laughs> that has the most weight when it comes to like whose moon is returning. Uh, I, people in the chat are mentioning gay about sick. Uh, he gave me permission to tell. So really, he's uh, incapacitated with some dental work that he had done today. So oh, still prayers for Gabe that all that went perfectly well. I found out today. While I was listening to Root Radical about the oak, which is a symbolic archive and vault like nothing else. But I was listening to Kyle talk about that on his Root Radical podcast and found out that Mr. Denton worked in the dental industry. How about that? That's a that's pretty funny. I, maybe I'd heard that before, but that's new to me. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it weird how um, sometimes your name that, you know, you have no control of <laughs> kind of guides your direction. And I never grew up thinking, uh, oh, I really want to work on teeth. It actually just came, it came to me one time because I, I moved to a new town and I was looking for a job. And so I went to a church and the guy there was like, hey, if you're looking for a job, you can come to this dental office. And I ended up going and I ended up excelling. And uh, I really, really enjoyed the work I did. I worked with um, at first, like a, a kind of a, a bigger corporation, corporate dentist office. And then I found my way to a small private practice. And uh, he was a dentist that was yeah, a dentist named Crentis, right? He was a dentist named Dr. Funky. That was his name. And 
<laughs> yeah. He was 60 years old when I met him. And so, and I worked for him for 10 years. And so old, old guy, old German dude, he kind of set in his ways, but also extremely generous. And he's, he was a, a, a very awesome mentor for me in, in so many ways of, of how to treat people, um, how to care for people bedside, uh, a chair side, I guess you could say. And, um, I had the freedom to basically do a lot of things. Like I wasn't, I was his assistant, but I was able to, you know, uh, do a lot of the actual work. I was able to do a lot of the, the, um, the lab work, all the setup. And so I, I've seen it all. I've seen, I've been in the dental field for 15 years and I've seen it all. And it, and so, uh, if anybody's listening and they have dental questions or anything like that, you can always hit me up on telegram or Instagram or email. And that's one of my favorite, uh, lines of herbal discussion is, um, holistic dental care, at least being able to talk about some of the other factors that are going on with that. So, yep. Denton, which is, you know, of course my last name. And, um, but now I'm starting to claim, that is an um, kind of like a a new anagram for Dantian. So I've been working a lot on my uh, massaging my placental scar and working on building up that that ex- excess Dantian. And I was really appreciating that last Interverse episode that you had. That guest he was talking a lot about that energy building um, in that in in the, in the particular ways of Qigong and and everything like that. So now instead of Kyle. Uh, dentist denton i'm like the i'm going with the dantian denton <laughs> i like that i've also been looking at some of the correlates between the sun and water and all the rivers that are named after solar archetypes in the ancient world and so one of those things you'll see in river names a lot is don <clears throat> so don 10 it's basically the same thing as Denton, <laughs> Don Tien. It's also kind of like saying the river of Tien, Tien being like heaven or the number 10 or, you know, the solar things that come along with that. So you could uh, <laughs> incorporate that into your name etymology too. But yeah, that, that episode last Monday was just something else. I'm still wrapping my head around it and I'm very intrigued and in looking into working with either Mark English, who we were talking to, or uh, his the <laughs> the master who teaches this like energetic cultivation to create your next body, it seemed to connect so many dots about what was out there with placenta symbolism and maybe the true the true deepest keys of the esoteric system. I don't know. So I'm gonna be saving up and. And doing at least a level one with that, which I Sa- almost never saving up do. in which way? Like <laughs> hundred days without sex. That saving up. <laughs> They're saying my sound levels are disproportionately lower again. Well, I don't know why that is, but let me see if I can adjust that while Kyle's next talking. Uh, it might be something I can do in my settings, but you're gonna have to hear me talk at a lower volume for a second because I wanted to point out this great comment from melanie she says hi chance i feel great after this weekend's session that i had with you thanks so much appreciate you popping in and making that comment and giving your testimony that's really cool and i think you'll you can find that the integration of what we worked on can probably go on a lot more than just 
<laughs> one week. Sometimes the healing is uh, it unfolds over a long period of time like this. This testimony I received. So this is from name redacted, <laughs> but it's from my email. It says, Chance, since the tuning back in November, the tightness in my hips has reduced dramatically and I generally feel so much more loose and flexible. I'd forgotten what it was like to walk easily and comfortably, and now that is what I feel like most of the time. And on top of that, I have a much more of a flow state and feel much more relaxed. Thank you so much for your help. I hope all is well. So that's a client that uh, was a one session. He was having some significant hip tightness that was making it harder for him to walk than he wanted it to be. I don't know what it is, but like the hips really respond well to biofield tuning. It, it's one of my most like uh, highest percentage one shot, one tuning solution type of uh, areas of the body. So that's somebody I've worked with him. I've worked with uh, his his wife, one of his daughters. I've got another one of his daughters coming up. Been really uh, branching out into a lot more clients that maybe don't even know about my podcast. They're just getting referred to me. So it's pretty fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. And I wanted to use this as my segue to talk to Kyle about his experiments with biofield tuning. It's something he's added in to his uh, Tipica new toolkit. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you've kind of started developing your own way of comprehending the energy that's there. And you have a lot of synergistic knowledge when it comes to the herbal realm that you can tack on. So let us know, like, what are, what are you doing? Are you offering that remotely? Uh, where, where are you at in the tuning journey? Like, I'm just going to sit back and listen. Yeah, man. So thanks. Thanks for sharing everything that you share, because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without you kind of open sourcing not only, um, you know, all of the testimonials that you have, but like some of the challenges that you have too. And I think that's, that's, uh, extremely righteous. And so that's, that's, I mean, I would call you my, my biofield tuning mentor. And, um, so between you and Eileen and, um, and then really like, this is the type of thing that you just learn more by doing it. And so, um, I have a lot of gratitude for, for that. There's an episode that you penned at the top of your rock fin. Um, and I believe it is vibrant one, 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 when, which you outline the, um, you have some slides and you outline with Topher and Gabe present a lot of the, I don't know, just the anatomy itself. And then you give a lot of examples. And so I had been playing around with tuning forks for, I don't know, maybe a year prior to listening to that episode. And when I heard that episode, I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to make screenshots. I'm just going to make my own slides. This is the way I, this is the way I see myself practicing this. I'm going to make, that's how I did it. I made my own chart of what goes where and use that for sure. So yeah, I I, I was pausing it. I was taking notes. I was writing things down. I was applying it, not, you know, uh, word for word verbatim of what you were saying, but there was a lot of ahas. Oh yes, this is, yo, what's up? Hey, let me just give a quick shout out. I'm, I'm um, hanging on some of this lion's mane vanilla extract. It's a Soxlet extract that James and Elise and the family at family fungi made. And it is fantastic. Let me juice up my brain here. Mm, Aquarius lion's mane. Nice. <laughs> it's really nice, man. So yeah, I started, I made some slides and I was like, this is, 
You know, there's another thing too about uh, studying that when you're actually applying the the notes, and I find this to be uh, an important part of learning by listening to the podcast. I'm just going to do a quick aside and say that when I listen to your podcast or when I listen to Vibrance and stuff like that, it's really important to me to bring that conversation of what I learned to the breakfast table or the dinner table that night and talk about it so that it's not just like information consumed down the hole, down the drain. And that way I can kind of orient the information a little bit and actually have a, a secondary conversation about it and see what it feels like with, you know, people in my life that I, that I trust. And so the same, the same uh, things applied for that lesson. And so I got all these slides and this is my, this is my office. It's a basement room, but it's also my treatment room. So I have a, a wall over there that has all of these slides and um, I took them down so that I could bring them to Italy and they're still in my notebook here. But, but anyway, what I do is I set up my table, I raise it up. <laughs> I have a big old piece of cardboard. that's just really long. It's this about six feet long piece of cardboard. And I set that on my table and uh, I dress that up for each client. And I think that's something that you do too, is that you, um, I think I heard you mention that it's not just a setup. Like you walk into the room and there's your, your person, you, you kind of piece the person together. And so I have a whole bunch of stones, a whole bunch of different crystals that I could use. Maybe sometimes I'll feel like using this one. Sometimes I'll use like this one. Sometimes I'll use a, a candle in this particular area instead. And I really also appreciate the, the aesthetic aspect of it. And by the way, the, the cardboard has a, uh, it's drawn on like, uh, some, you know, like in the movies when somebody like f- falls off a building and dies or something and like chalk out the outline or something like that. It's not like, <laughs> I just need to be able to, I'm still, I'm still on my training wheels. And so I've been, so I need to be able to see where I'm, where I'm at. And I, I'm really, I'm realizing though, that as I'm doing it, I'm a lot of times I have my eyes closed and I could just feel it. And I don't necessarily need it. So I am being guided kind of by faith and not necessarily by the site. I hope everyone out there is really listening right now. You're, you're getting a, a, a from recent memory account of the exploratory process that will lead somebody to proficiency using tuning forks as a healing tool on other people. Whether that ends up just being like friends and family or it's something you later down the road are able to offer in a more like professional capacity this is something you can learn. You can teach yourself all of the information you would need to even do it has already been shared in episodes of this podcast, like the one Kyle mentioned. So just your own way of doing it is, is key, like sort of build your, your process from scratch. And this is what Kyle's talking about. I really like this. Yeah, totally. And, and then this way you can, uh, so for me, just like anybody else, I would say, start by working on your best friend, your wife, your loved one, your your dog, (laughs) somebody that doesn't mind you coming around them with a fork and then try the, the, um, the remote stuff. And so I have a, I have a, um, a history with clinical work. Like I've been doing clinical work as an herbalist for, uh, 10 years now. And, um, but not a lot, you know, maybe just a couple of, you know, a couple of people a month or something like that. And then in, in a in-depth um, you know, hour to two hour long, uh, 
intake. Whereas I do several a day, kind of like the India style where somebody comes in and I can uh, uh, take a couple of quick looks at stuff and then make some herbal recommendations. So that's the way I really like to work is in person. And so it's presented a challenge to me because I found that with biofield tuning, I get really good feedback on myself and, um, and as a, as a practice and diagnostic feedback when I'm remote. And so my first remote case was I'm here in the basement. My wife was upstairs. <laughs> we're on, we're on, uh, uh, the iPhone, um, I FaceTime together and she's up there in the bed snoozing or whatever. And this way I, I am actually, uh, taking away any type of feedback that I'm going to have that's going to get into my into my head, get into the logical aspect of my head that's going to like maybe she, maybe she gets a little uncomfortable and like shakes or like has to like move her hair out of her face or something like that. And if that was the case when I was in the room with her, I'd be like, what, what what's that? What's going on there? And it kind of like it breaks the moment. It breaks the bond. Well, when I'm when I'm uh, down here doing my thing, I'm boom, I'm in the zone, and all I'm asking is for for her, for the person to you know start to respond about what what maybe they're feeling if that's something that they want to talk about. I'll talk about what I'm feeling when I'm when I'm in these places, and uh, and so that's how it be that's how it began. And uh, I'll comment on that too that yeah. what you just described is a really good reason one one of many good reasons why biofield tuning remotely is extremely advantageous <laughs> particularly for the practitioner but of course it's convenient to be able to do it from your home if you're the one receiving it but the uh <laughs> like i I'm, i don't even have video on when i'm on a zoom call with a client the video is off during the tuning session the, that visual layer of input is just a distraction but there are times where the client is having some sort of bodily sensation or almost like a reaction to what I'm doing. And I, I give them the, uh, I, I offer to them like, Hey, if there is something you're noticing in your body and then you feel like an impulse to share that, please do. Cause sometimes that's actually helpful or it's at the very least like a cool synchronicity where, where I might move the fork to a different area of their body. And then they're like, all of a sudden I'm feeling <laughs> a tingle by my right ear. And that's where we just move to, or, you know, sometimes uh, releasing energy in one area causes a very strong sensation in another area, which gives us a clue that like uh, either depending on the sensation, either that there's like a, a blockage in that zone that the increase of energetic flow throughout the whole field is now bumping up into. And so it's noticeable or sometimes uh, you clear one area and I, I've come to a kind of new sort of a new way of comprehending or like my process where I now look at it. Like I'm, I'm removing stories. <laughs> I don't even like think about it as stuck energy as much anymore. I'm like, what's the story behind the stuck energy. And that helps us figure out beyond go beyond the generalization of what something means in the biofield anatomy and move into the, what's your unique program with that, type of uh with whatever that generalization is so for example i had a client just yesterday yeah it was yesterday and we did a bunch of work on the back left side of the torso so like sacral solar plexus heart and when we wrapped all that up as the session was ending he was uh 
he became very <laughs> aware of a super strong feeling of energy right around the front of his knee, his right knee. And I asked him, I'm like, is this a type of tension or pressure? Is this uncomfortable or is it just a strong sensation of your awareness flowing to that area? And it ended up being the latter. So it wasn't a bad feeling. It was just like he was really noticing something going on in the front of his knee that felt like there was power there. And it makes perfect sense because the things that we had cleared in those other areas, the stories we had cleared would definitely apply to the right knee, which is where we can sometimes have challenge with overcoming obstacles in our life. We feel blocked by certain obstacles. So we cleared the types of obstacles that he felt unable to, to cross and and thus the the right knee also reclaimed a bunch of energy and I never even put a fork there. So that's one of the reasons why like approaching it from the story level is the next level of of biofield tuning. You can have a great effect just with the sound and just with the intention and just trying to clear what's there in the space, even if you have no ability to perceive stuck energy at all. If you're just gonna sweep a fork from six feet away from someone towards their body, that has its benefits. It really does. But <laughs> When you can find the stories and replace them with a, a more empowered or free will oriented belief about yourself or about life, you can like the efficiency just goes way up. You know, another client uh, last week, everything that I worked on, I would work on one side of the body. And when, by the time we finished the other side of the body at that same level had also cleared itself because the stories were interrelated. And that's, you know. <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing how much energy can get reclaimed in an hour session when you go from the when you operate from looking for the story. So I know that was kind of a huge tangent to throw on, that's but a, that's a really refined clinical approach, really, just to begin with. So I really appreciate that as uh, as from a tutelage point of view is that when it comes to this is something that I'm not I don't necessarily struggle with, but I will I will recognize when I'm um when I'm in a massage and there's a massage practitioner that comes to like a lump in your, in my back, for example. And let's just say I'm getting like the, like a $50 massage at the YMCA or something. And they come to that lump in your back and they're really trying to like iron that lump out. Right. And then I go see some of my, um, the, the excellent body workers that I know and what they will do is they have this way of kind of like not necessarily um, asserting their their presence and their will over that situation, but asking it and and simply like like what you're talking about is just being neutral, having a witness perspective, which is probably why you're such a great podcast host, too, <laughs> because these things go hand in hand. And so I'll notice when I. Um, am in a particular area and I'm uh, broadcasting <laughs> to my client or whatever, what I'm feeling and uh, what's going on there. And the, the thing that I, the, the way that I mention it might uh, bring up some sort of like uh, victimhood pushback instead. And so, and so instead of this is the, this is the part of the, um, this is the part of the process that I'm trying to refine a little bit more is, you know, just, um, uh, saying, saying things how they are without having a, uh, necessarily a way of 
fixing them in my voice. And I, and I never have really approached that as a healer. That's always the, and I don't even like calling myself as a, a healer because that, that, uh, uh, promotes that dynamic, which is not what I want. Um, a big part of the process is being adequately persuasive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I do. I've already mentioned I have like a Libra moon, so I'm really good at the diplomacy thing. But what you're talking about is key because there a lot of these stories that we're talking about clearing from someone's energy field. They do involve a type of victimization. And uh, what can help is from what I found can help. I'm just offering this to you is if you can see what the motive was behind the like the victim mentality. So you can first frame it like that. Like here's what you thought maybe unconsciously, but here like, you know, in terms of the justification, but here's the reality. So for example, um, like the idea of uh, the classic thing of the, the back left heart chakra dealing with being vampirized or taking on negative energy from other people. A lot of times that works out in the form of, like the way I might explain it to someone, if it is applicable to them, would be, look, we all want to be the good guy. We all want to be the good guy in our own mind. And one of the ways that sometimes we kind of sneaky, sneakily create that dynamic for ourselves is by creating a life where some of our relationships are, they're the bad one I have to fix or help, or they're the bad one who does wrong by me, but I'm the good one who is there for them anyway, or is trying to pull them up, you know? So if you can get to the, get to the, like the noble reason that was behind the victimhood, what that was perceived as noble, but then show them like, but actually you're just living the life of, uh, you're, you're being victimized by people <laughs> and you're choosing that because it allows you to have this posture of I'm the good one. They're the bad one, heroes and villains. Uh, that can help, you know, it's going to, depend on the individual, but yeah, looking for the, the core noble reason for the, for that dynamic of victimization and then showing them like, it's actually not, it's that not the noble thing that, that it seems like, but this was the unconscious program and that helps a lot. It's That's like awesome. kind of empathizing with it. Yeah. Yep. I got to tell you my, the, Probably the first, maybe the second biofield tuning I was doing in, in uh, distance. It was, it was for my mom and I'm still like, and she's a good supporter. She's the greatest, the greatest supporter of me, right. <laughs> of all time, really. And, uh, but I'm still like, oh, you know, is this, what's going on here? I, I, I have confidence in this, in, in my skill and ability to, uh, to help, but I'm not sure if I have the, the confidence and skill and ability to uh, articulate and, and I, a sign would be really good. So I'm in, uh, I'm, I'm in tuning with my mom and there's a place in the biofield anatomy that, um, Eileen Mikuzik has named the ancestral rivers. This is a spot shortly off of the right side and shortly off the left side and over on the right side off of the liver, maybe about six inches away. Um, this is re a relationship to the, uh, paternal line. And so I've got my fork and I'm getting real close and I'm like, oh, cool. There's a, there, there it is. There's the resistance. And I'm right there in the, um, in like the solar plexus chakra. So it's like very amplified right there. Uh, and so I started thinking to myself, if, um, if my grandpa <laughs> who's passed away, um, is around or is here, 
then this is where he would be. And so I struck my fork again and I found that spot. And as soon as I found that spot, there's, I'm in the basement here. So right above me on the, on the floor in the kitchen above me, tonk, tonk, tonk. Yes. My son son knocked three times. My son's name is Davide. We named him after my mom's dad, David, who I had been, you know, I was, I was just wondering, are you here? And there, just like, like you said, three times knocks. And so I was like, okay, boom, passed the test. We are in, I am doing this. And I came out of that session and she felt great. And I came out of that session like, all right, I am not looking back. I am doing this. I am going to go ahead and do this. And since then it has been like, every time I do something, there is a very profound synchronicity or some sort of uh, healing achievement on the part of the, of the client that is, it's that might not always be available right away, but find it, find it in time, find it with feedback. And, uh, oh man. And so from there I started to develop my own style too. So thanks Rachel. What's up? That's great, man. Another thing I want people to be confident about is, you know, we have, it's natural to kind of have this fear of like, well, I don't know if I can offer this as a, a service or something because what if I get in over my head? But I, th- this is like a, a common theme that you'll hear energy healers speak about, but they call it like maybe I've heard it called soul clients, which is if you're doing something that you're authentically meant to be doing or you're here to be doing is aligned or resonant with like your, your core self or your soul. Then part of that entails the almost like a guarantee that whatever comes in to your <laughs> to your clinic or whatever you want to call it yeah. is going to be at the level of which you're prepared to handle or prepared to help with. So, <laughs> you know, if I were if if I were to have foresight into like the what it's like to have the experience I have now as a tuner. At going back when I first started, it would have been cripplingly difficult to actually bring myself to do it because I would have been like, I don't know shit about shit compared to this future guy. But along the way, every step of the process, you'll like learn on the job training. <laughs> but because this whole thing is guided by the higher force, it, you get what you need to learn and what you're ready to learn when it's time for that. I 100% believe that. I've I continue to experience that now, but if it, well, and it probably should be part of the process, but one thing that helps too is that every session you invoke the source and singularity of all life or the creator or however you want to phrase it, but you bring the dynamic, intelligent, organizing principle of all the cosmos into the session with you and you basically just give it up to that force. You you ask to be a conduit for that force and then let go of being worried about your skill level, your pre- preparation level. And that's something you can take into really any element of life, but especially this type of sort of benevolent work that, uh, you know, don't be afraid you're going to get in over your head. You're going to get exactly what you're ready for. And that's a consistent thing, a guarantee. And <laughs> keep going. That's for sure. Yep. You probably yeah, found that with herbalism. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there'll be times when you, in, in, um, in the case of herbalism too, where somebody will come in and I'm like, man, I'm really scratching my head on this one. Okay. Well, let me, let me give it some thought. And then 
all of a sudden, boom, uh, it's like it's like uh, you might as well have just put a, a neon light on your sign that says anybody else that has this exact problem come in to see me within the next, you know, six or seven days. And so you can it's like so true flooded with this with. Yeah, it's like, where where does this it's like, OK, now now when I'm when I'm when that happens to me, I'm, I'm recognizing this is this is a, a dynamic thing thing. This is me being involved in my own healing process and having to recognize something in myself that I need to learn um, in order to, because all of this information keeps coming to me and keeps coming to me. It's my, it's like, it's like when, you know, when you're asking for a sign and then you keep getting the sign and sign. Well, if you're asking for a sign and you're a a professional person and you dedicate your life to, uh, you know, looking for signs in this particular way. <laughs> well, that's the way that you're going to find them. And it's really, it's really wild and it's far out. And so I know that you, you know that too, but it's, it's really cool. Yeah. For example, <laughs> last week I had a client where as soon as I put my tuning fork into their energy field, I immediately was aware that they were born C-section and you know, I'm, I'm still sometimes occasionally like I, I, kind of tiptoe around things and then go, you know, maybe this, maybe that. But at this point I just felt like, okay, this, I, the individual needs my confidence here. I'm just going to say it. Aha, you were born C-section and they were. And then three sessions in a row after that, the exact same thing happened, like practicing, <laughs> practicing now the odds of having like four people in a row that were born c-section not not super high odds but every time as soon as i put my fork in i could tell and this is a clue for people that once you, i guess you'd have to be able to sort of be aware of where stuck energy was at but if you touch the edge of someone's energy field in the zone where birth happens and you're at the sacral level where it's either guilt on the right side or shame and guilt on the right side or frustration or resentment on the left side and they and they as a, a newborn at the moment of birth, they've got a big bundle of stuck guilt and shame energy. It's almost like it's almost guaranteed that they were born C-section. There's very few reasons why a baby would be born feeling guilty, but it is a thing because the way they came into the world harmed their mom or hurt their mom, or it was a you know, wasn't clean and the satisfaction wasn't there of the like the, the bodily exhale of birth through the birth canal. So that's where the frustration comes in side. There's different ways that people get wired with that, but it was uh, really consistent just in the, exactly like you said, like, Oh, for the next six or seven days, they're all going to show up with the exact same thing. I find that a lot, a lot. That's Jennifer. She always hears all the feedback of post session. And then I, I've mentioned this before, but there seems to sometimes be a connection to the, the zodiacal sign that the sun is traveling through for me, it's tropically speaking where like right now it's an Aquarius and leading up to like right before sun went into Aquarius and like since sun has been in Aquarius, lots of ankle stuff, (laughs) which Aquarius rules the ankles. And you had mentioned using crystals or minerals, gems, stones as sort of like a surrogate body parts on the tuning table remotely. And I wanted to show this really cool one. Got this for Christmas from my mother-in-law. It's a Kumbaba Jasper. 
really gorgeous piece right here. And <laughs> I, I knew that it had a place on the tuning table. Wasn't exactly sure where I ended up planning it in the left ankle zone and it's been phenomenal. So one of the things that this Kumbaba Jasper is supposed to be good for is like making decisions <laughs> and the ankles have a lot to do with making decisions. The right ankle is where you might get like indecisive energy in a general, general sense, but the left ankle where you can get attached to stress, anxiety, fear, uh, things like that. Well, there's a, a, a problem of decisiveness with being attached to things that cause you stress that aren't good for you as well. Like you're struggling to make the decision to step away from it. So this has been really helpful. Kumbaba Jasper, people have a need for uh, stronger decisiveness about moving away from things that don't serve them anymore or situations or people. Then maybe try this stone out. I've, I've been really enjoying it on the tuning table. I've got, you know, I kind of upgrade different bits and pieces as I go, but <laughs> would have been fun to do a show and tell. Maybe I should just go get like some more of the pieces that go on the table. That's one of the most fun things to me is like building the, the surrogate body out of the crystals. Super fun. Dude, I, I should tell you about what I, one of the styles that I'm working with now and trying to work. So instead of, so I have my surrogate body, but uh, one of the things that I'm working with when people come to see me is I'm building the herbal formula that I will eventually create um, during the session. So I have, this is where it's kind of, it's been kind of a challenge for me because I'm a, as an in-person person, <laughs> I really like to have all of the different subtle ways of reading people through, you know, facial tongue diagnosis, pulse, other things like that. But even just like know, the way that in, the energy is on somebody. So now I'm, uh, and, and I have ways of testing too. So if somebody came, came to see me in person and I'm thinking about these particular herbs, I can, uh, do a, a pulse check on them and, um, feel if the pulse likes it, if it's jumping out, if it's shrieking away, if it's getting too excited, all, there's all different things that I'm looking for. I, I don't have those tools when I'm doing working remotely. So I'm trying to figure out how to, um, continue the, to find the best, uh, the best remedies for people, not just like what I know, but also like testing them to see if they're the right ones. And so the tuning forks can do that. <laughs> and so what I have is about um, I have you know, in my shop, I have probably like 250 herbs, but I probably only use about 25 of them tops. So I have about 25 herbs here. And uh, when one comes into my mind, that also will be reflective of a particular type of energy in the anatomy. I'm going to take some of that herb and I'm going to put it onto that energy center. And as I am sweeping and sweeping and sweeping with the, with the, uh, fork here, moving the fork into the area. I'm kind of combing that energy back onto those, to that herb. And I usually like to make my formulas with about four herbs. And so I'll have like four different piles of herbs and I'll sweep them up, grind them up together, put them into a, what's called a percolation cone and pour some alcohol over it. And you got a custom formula that has been with all of that, uh, biophotonic energy from your from your energy field pulled back into it and the table will have 
you know, some chamomile, which will have some yellow and white on it. And it'll have in maybe in the solar plexus area and it'll have some skull cap, which is really, really green, super green plant. And, and I would like to put that in the heart if that's applicable, things like that. And it's really fun. And then, uh, and a lot of times when the formula comes out, it's not something that I would, you know, necessarily intuit. It's based on, uh, the feedback that I'm getting from, uh, not only the questionnaire that I, that I would propose first of all, but also just the interview and the process and what's, what's coming up. And so that's really fun for me because I feel like that's my, my unique take on the, art of biofield tuning and the practice of it is to incorporate herbs and to also use those herbs as the matrix to continue to ingest that, that session over and over and over. And then of course I sent, I, I mail or ship out the, the, um, the formula. And sometimes if somebody doesn't want a, a tincture, then we'll, I'll just sweep them up and put them into a bag in their tea. But either way, it's a, it's a way of kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, recom, recom, combining that lesson once again, you know, does that make sense? Makes so much sense. That's a next level process. Really? <laughs> You're basically giving them medicine that can re like reignite the tuning benefits over time. That's so cool. I just give them a recording of their session, <laughs> but the, 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 your method is cool. This is, Exactly like Rachel says, I love hearing people share their processes. It reveals so much. And it's so cool. And one of uh, the things I like to do is if I need a, more insight to something, re relying on the tarot has been super helpful to me because that's a system I understand. That's actually where that's that process led me to the un, like tuning stories rather than tuning stuck energy because the tarot cards are really key for me to figure out what's the individual's personal relationship to that stuck energy of that general zone of the biofield. So for example, I'm just going to like pretend, pretend we're in a tuning, right? And we've got, we've got something we can tell there's something there on the right, the front right side of the sacral chakra. So it's something guilt and shame related. Okay. And we go and pull out a tarot card. Okay. So they have guilt and shame and we, uh, or shame and we just pulled a two of discs. So just basic generalization here. Uh, I might go a little deeper with the individual and trying to sort of refine the understanding but what this would tell me is that they have a they are triggered to feel guilt or shame because of situations where they have to choose one thing over another thing and they feel guilty over the thing they didn't choose. Maybe you see. So like it's a very basic generalization. But right there, using this divinatory tool, we've just narrowed down. <laughs> Look what's on the bottom of my deck. <laughs> Two of swords. <laughs> Another like decision-making type of uh, card. Big time. Sweet. Super funny how that happens. So, yeah, there's a way that you can. There's a tool for, that anybody can use, even if you have to rely on like a, a book to help you understand the meanings of those cards. It's a, a way of narrowing down what it is for that individual and 
every time I'll be able to get a much more specific read on like, what was the type of situation that occurred in their past at the timeline depth of their energy field that they can more easily intuitively jump to the memory and it just pops out. So that's a, a huge hack. I don't know other biofield tuners that are necessarily doing that, but it will level up your, your insights big time. Because we don't all operate in the same way. You know, we don't all just get in perfect. We're not all JLo here in the chat who just has the biggest third eye in the universe and instantly downloads the a full dream vision of exactly what happened to the person. And, you know, like we might need some extra tools. And that's a really good one. And uh, I've found that the more I used these, the more commonly I would actually I would just get the flash of insight without necessarily turning to a card, but the cards were sort of like an ex sort of like trading wheels. You know, it was an external tool that would help my confidence that I was going to find the answer. And now more and more often the answer just comes in without me having to turn to the card, but like they were a stepping stone to knowing what it feels like to access that intuitively. And, and, and they're always there as a backup if I ever feel a little stumped. So very, very helpful thing to incorporate. <laughs> Can I try? All right, I got I got the Herb Crafter's Tarot. This is one of my favorite decks. I love the art in this deck, and um, I have one that's sitting at the front part of my shop where our checkout area is, but that's like the transactional place, but that's also where a lot of the conversation and other forms of transaction besides currency of m money uh, occur. And this deck is right there, and... Um, and so it's like not this particular one, but one, another one. And it's just really, really rich and infused. And it's like perfect spot every time uh, whenever somebody grabs it. So I love this deck. And so I kind of I want to I want to take your example, if you don't mind, if I could play along, too. So let me uh, let me do a theoretical. Um, OK, somebody feels like a pushover. They got some they got some the uh, right side of the heart for, um, you know, maybe the somewhere on the right side of the heart area, there's like the fork is dropping out. There's no frequency that it's not, it doesn't feel frayed. It's not screaming with pitch. It just feels like, like it's lost all its energy. And so there's, there's something there to explore. Like we got to bring this energy back. And, um, as you've taught me, that area has a lot to do with, um, you know, you're, you are, um, Maybe in this particular spot, you, you say like, oh, I don't like aggressive people. So therefore, <laughs> guess what? You don't be, you're not an aggressive person. You become a, a, a pushover and you say, you say, yes, 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 yes. But you really mean no. And then the story of the perpetual victim kind of comes up. All right. So that's, let's just say, do you got anything to add on that? Well, before I, before yeah, yeah. I, that, that front right zone of the heart chakra, it's like at its base, it's someone who doesn't say no when they need to say no or when they want to say no <laughs> they haven't right. quite ascended to be the one like neo where he comes out of the death and he's like no <laughs> so all right so if that was saint john's word the, the client yeah we have saint john's word this is the sun look at that that's the that's the the beautiful healing heart and what i know about saint john's word would be really informative to me in this particular um 
reading because I would, I might even reach for St. John's Wort, not necessarily reaching for St. John's Wort based on the card that I drew for this particular client, but knowing that St. John's Wort represents the, one of the signatures of St. John's Wort is that it has all these little tiny holes that when you hold it up to the sun, you could see the light coming through. And that's the the perfoliatum that's the holes that move that are that light is escaping so you're giving that light away there's it's uh it's not available it's it's the 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 organism is stressed out and so it doesn't hold its light anymore so saint john's word is a reminder for us to strengthen our boundaries to hold our blood to hold our red blood (laughs) like a red-blooded human right which gets angry sometimes when it has to um and blushes and gets uh, excited with lust and uh, and anger when it needs to, and it does that because it has the um, the boundary to say no, and it has the boundary to hold its light, and it is uh, the part of yo, what's up, my friend, and it has the um, oh. Marty yeah. sending in the super chat. Happy birthday to Marty Leeds. Today is the day. And a no very kind super chat. Thanks, buddy. Okay, sorry. Continue, Kyle. Another Aquarius. What's up, Marty? I thought he might be lurking. I've been meaning to say happy birthday to him. <laughs> Today's the day. Nice. He's 100 years old today. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, really, fun, that's a really fun example. Um, so, yeah, if I, I, if I drew the sun card and we we're dealing with the front right side of the heart chakra... Uh, I would think one thing that I might think would be <laughs> just super chatted again. <laughs> I would think um, maybe there was a falling out that occurred with a close person in their life. And they felt like that falling out was because they uh, wouldn't acquiesce to something that person demanded. And so they perhaps their reason for having weak boundaries in the ability to say no is because they it's d- a deep seated fear of a losing a friend or a comrade or uh, getting disconnected from a family member if they did say no, because there might be an experience where that happened. So there's a lot of ways you can read any particular card, but like right. falling out with friends, that, that would be how that would, that's the thing that jumped in my mind <laughs> with that example. And yeah, that would and be a unique individual's expression of it. This is, yeah, it's the St. John's word, but I also know that it's, there's a child, there's this inner child that's having fun and playing around and being naked and innocent on the sun card too. And so if that was that, I don't know, I think that would also be relevant to the, to at least to the question, right? Not necessarily like, Oh, here it is. I got the answer. It's more like you, like you had been describing the process of continuing to ask the questions and the questions uh, are what bring up the healing in the person because they're the ones that get, get to answer. That's where the creditor and the debtor um, uh, dynamic, that's the line between those two. And so uh, it's, it's, that's really fun. I really am going to, I'm going to start uh, working with that. I think that, thank you for that one chance. Hey, I have a question for you too, about um, the, um, the process of finding the front versus the back. So the, the way that I have been doing it is uh, <laughs> I just imagine myself as a big old janitor with a big old broom. <laughs> I'm going around the whole, the whole, and I'm like, Oh, this is kind of fun. I can like move this way and that way. Um, but I, there's gotta be a way. And so I also have, a, 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 I imagine in my mind too, that like, um, 
let's say that uh, this this is my this is my person, this is their head, and this is their feet. And with my mind, because it's all mental, I am literally just like moving them around like this and moving them around like that. And so I don't have to do these big broad strokes, but sometimes I have to figure out where to start. And I wonder about um, where you how are you zoning in on front versus back? What's tr- uh, keying you into those particular areas? So, first of all, when I'm switching from front to back, I just sort of flip them over on the table mentally. So now they're on their stomach and one side of the table, what was previously left is now the right, yada, yada. Sometimes I get mixed up, (laughs) but essentially whatever I'm intending to work on uh, is what I'm working on. Even if I didn't like go to the correct side of the table or mentally flip them over properly. So intention is the key. That's like what really connects you in, especially after you've given you've received permission to do the work with that person, then yeah, intention does it. Uh, When it comes to deciding whether I need to work on the front or the back, I've talked about it before, but like I I have this weird head click power that shows me where stuck energy is at. Like my head pops (laughs) and I can apply that to asking questions too. So uh, I will point, I point at the body on the table and I just sort of like move my finger from left to right until one of the spots triggers my, my sense, my spider sense. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, so uh solar plexus chakra right on. All right. Are we going to, are we, do we need to do the right side or the left side? So I go, I stick out my right hand and yes or no happens in, in my head. And then, or I stick out my left hand. Yes or no happens in my head. And then after I've selected the left or right, then I do the same thing with front, back, front, back. So you might, if you knew me in person, you'd see me doing this all the time where I'm like, I might look a little spaced out and I'm just like, I'm talking, I'm communicating with my spider sense. <laughs> yeah. At the grocery store, like, should I get this particular brand of pasta ragu or this one? Like, or we're playing cards with the family, which, which domino do I draw or something like that? <laughs> I've, I've tried to use it to cheat at games and that's the one thing it doesn't work for. I tried. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's gotta be aligned with your sole purpose. Right. So, <laughs> right. But I do select tear, I select cards that way. Like I have my, I'll have my deck, uh, laid out in piles of six cards each. And then I just like point across the piles until I get one. And then I pull that pile out, separate those six cards and then point until I get one of those six. And that's how I pick a card and it's never wrong, but that's my thing. I'm sure other people could have a way of doing that. I want to do something fun though. So it is Kevin Marty McNally leads his birthday today and he's super generously super chatted $66 and I'm sure an imaginary 66 cents. I want to do a like a little birthday divination for our buddy Kevin. So how about you get a tarot card out of there and, and I'll get a, Ching card. Is that all right with you, Marty? Yeah. Let's get get a little consent here. All right. Thank you. Oh, it's happening. He paid for it. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, like something for him to reflect on for the coming year for the Gnostic Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, which is totally crushing. You guys should be there on Sunday mornings or catch the replays 
one of my favorite parts of the week is Sunday morning. <laughs> I I get I really jealous. Like those. I wish I could talk as fast as him. My Loki streams would be half as long because <laughs> he's just jam packed, man. Yeah, I really appreciate the sixty six. The number of ya priest. <laughs> Polymathing. <laughs> That's great. And the dude shreds. And he shreds on the guitar. Yeah. Uh, now that he's got his uh, yurt dwelling and he's got good internet, it's high time to have him on a vibrant again. Really, he should be one of our regulars. Plus, we're neighbors. Okay, I've almost got my coins. You want to go first, Kyle? Just got it. Okay, what do we got here? Ooh, this is Horsetail. And it is the Ten of Earth. So the number 10 of Earth, that is lots and lots of pentacles. So pass, look at, there's even got a basket right there to pass around. Um, Pass the basket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it only makes sense that he's going to receive some generosity because he's very generous about super chatting over here. Really? So I see the, um, the horsetail in a lot of ways. Horsetail to me is, a great representant uh, representation of flexibility in the plant world. It's said that back in time when th- there was more of these gigantic trees, you know, that were once cut down that like giants causeway and the devil's tower, that those were like silica based trees. So that they had this like um, more of a silicon nature to them. And it was also said in mainstream um, history that horsetail was also once like the the dinosaur plant, you know, it was the, the plant of the dinosaurs. And it was just a massive, massive thing. And now it's this small little thing. So it's in any case, we can, I guess, whatever way you're looking at it, you can agree that it's adapted itself. It's it's been it's become flexible into a different form than it was once. However, it still retains its um, original uh, uh, shape and form and function. Horsetail is one of the highest sources of silica in the plant world. And silica is really important for um, the bones, for the cartilage, for the, you know, the cartilage in your ears and your nails and your hair, but also the cell salt that's correlated to Sagittarius. And Sagittarius is the bow that's being pulled and flexed and it's the athletic thing. So it has this tension about it, but it also has this give and a direction. So maybe I see some, uh, some prolific 10 of pentacles happening around, I don't know, Thanksgiving, uh, Sagittarius, perhaps that's uh, that, that could be one, but I think the lesson of horsetail really truly to me is to, um, to, to bend and not break and to keep being able to bend and mold. And, you know, that's fun because that's what a, that's how a yurt is made too, right? It's like you're making wood into a circle and in all of these different ways. And, um, so yeah, now you're going to be surrounded by it. And I wouldn't be surprised if you had some horsetail growing around you in, um, in that part of the Ozarks too. It's a, it's a really abundant plant in, um, in like sandy and, you know, old, old soil. So 
um, yeah, horsetail. I love it, man. In the just most general sense, the 10 of discs talks about the, uh, the satisfaction of accomplishment is the best way of putting it. And the, the rewards of that accomplishment. So if you were to do it, like if, if we were doing a fortune telling for Marty, we'd be saying, Hey, this is a, a year for you where, uh, a lot of wealth and windfalls and improvement of your situation will be coming your way. Wealth in all levels, you know, the, the writer way of that card, the writer way tarot has like mom, dad, the kids, the dogs, grandma too, like everybody's there. So, uh, it's basically, it's, it's a card that indicates our larger scale plans and like taking a grander scope towards our, our goals, like dreaming bigger, essentially. It's the card that's like, okay, are you dreaming big enough? Cause you've got the capacity to actually dream not a few notches bigger than what you might realize. <laughs> so go for it. And what's cool is we can like put that in context with the I Ching where I got, I threw coins and I got card number 59 or hexagram 59, which is dispersion. I would love it if, <laughs> if Marty gave us like, what's the Dematria magic on 49, there's probably, or 59, there's probably a lot there, but this is the air element over the water element, very Aquarius dispersion. You know, it's like dispersion. <laughs> Aquarius is the thing that's like, uh, circulating the the water through the air. That's why people get confused and they think it's a water sign when it's really an air sign. So what the dispersion hexagram is basically telling us about is that um, there's a process going on right now where some negativity that is built up is ready to be diffused and harmony ready to be restored. Um, you know, it's a, <laughs> It's like a time where things are going to lighten up or maybe calling for you to lighten up to help help that process. But uh, I would be I would think that in his uh, his coming year, he might find that some areas where he felt like there is division between him and other people might start to resolve. Like those gaps are going to start to get filled and bridges built, which is pretty cool, which would be a something that would lead towards more. uh <laughs> more wealth and support coming towards them. So that's a lot of fun. I like doing these. I want to do another one for Rachel because she's super chats every time. Are you down to do one more? It's fun, man. I, I, yeah, totally. Let's do it. You super right. chat big enough. Maybe we'll do another one. Whoever you are out there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, while I'm shuffling, you want to call in the, uh, the question? Oh yeah. Rachel. Do you do you want to ask a question or do you want to just mentally ask a question? You're getting you're getting cards. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to ask one out loud or you know in the chat? Or we could just do like like we just did there. I kind of like just doing it the way we did there. All right, that's cool. What's cool about the Marty one is uh, when you throw coins, usually you get changing lines, and there are no changing lines. It was just straight up like. That's, solid dispersion Aquarian energy. I mean, that is yeah. the most Aquarius hexagram of all of them, which is pretty cool because this is birthday. Badass Aquarius. Aquarius. Right on. I like Aquarians. My, my people. All right. Let's see here for Rachel. Rachel's a big supporter of me too. So 
She's just a big supporter. Oh, Ginger. My body is singing. I'm revving up my ginger engine. All right. <laughs> we got, let me take a look at this card. We got some uh, copper vessels up here, which is cool. It's a nice synchronicity for me. I'm drinking copper, the copper right now. My gin loves ginger. There's some fire. And we have a, a, just a whole bunch of kitchen stuff going on here. looks like this, this table is getting ready to make some fire cider. We got ginger, there's limes, there's onions, there's cloves of garlic. And this is the eight of fire. Yeah. The eight of fire. So, um, I am trying to visualize eight of fire rider, rider weight right now, but I'm just going to, uh, before I do, I'm just going to tell you my experience with ginger and, um, what this, what this card is just saying to me. So I'm getting the, the, um, eight of fires or eight of wands is the one where like all of the sticks are just coming from the side profile. There's just eight sticks kind of coming out from the side of the card. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of action and that's yeah. the, that's the, that's the theme of this kitchen here is like, Whoa, things are hot. They're kind of spice a little you're making something spicy which is like fire cider which is intended to invigorate your body and invigorate your digestion and invigorate your respiration and even invigorate the uh sanctity of your close friendships if you have too much fire cider it's too much ginger and onions you know your friends can smell it you get to you get to know who's close and who's not so it's really really invigorating this this recipe and wow what's going on here in the kitchen um, there's just a lot of, uh, of that energetic feedback. So my read on this is along with the read on ginger is that ginger is a medicine for motion and movement and either fostering and helping break free from the winter stagnation where you're having a hard time with sluggish digestion and movement movement in your, in your joints and being able to get up and go or to, uh, soothe that excess of movement from travel because of nausea or, um, in the same way that, uh, ginger can be applied topically for relieving uh, tension in, in the, in the joints from coldness, but also from heat and inflammation by taking that heat and dispersing it outwards. So I see this as a remedy for, either being stuck or being too much on the go and finding the balance in between and maybe an, even an invitation to travel. <laughs> Cause aren't you over there? Come on. Why don't you come over here? Uh, come hang out with your friends in America for a summer or something like that. Don't forget your ginger mints on the plane. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, there's, in the I Ching, we got two because there's changing line, but it's 46, which is pushing upward. Check out these mushrooms bursting from the soil. So this is the uh, the yin energy being supported by the breath. It's that it's a lot like the concept of sinking the chi. It's letting the the chi or from the breath just expand the borders and the connectors of your body in a way. So. This pushing upward hexagram talks about um, some potentially some challenges, but those challenges that strengthen us, that we accept readily, um, you know, the type of challenges that might come 
metaphorically speaking, if you got a promotion. So it's good, but you know, there's something new you got to learn, but you're going to gain confidence along the way you're making progress. And the uh, changing line, the second line well, made the, the air element become the mountain element, the keeping still element. So this hexagram is called modesty and it's about keeping things, keeping things simple. So as you know, you maybe you're expanding into new role or uh, a new offering, a new ability, probably one that has been recognized by other people there. Someone's noticing, Hey, you're really generous or, Hey, <laughs> Uh, you're very skilled at this. Or when I talk to you, I just feel better. Or it just seems healing to be around you. You know, there's that promotion aspect of the pushing upwards is something that's being recognized by others and applied to you. You're realizing that there's a skill to that, but um, the goal is to like, not really let that go to your head or worry about that. Just keep being you. <laughs> that's the modesty part. Uh, don't pretend anything new is going on. You're just continuing to exemplify the best version of yourself and that sincerity is what is the the fuel <laughs> that is bringing those that expansion you know that those promotions if you will very cool yeah maybe we'll do another nice. one if somebody wants to but uh other than that we can hang continue our hang i just had it i had it in me that i wanted to do some divination tonight like if yeah. we weren't going to talk i was considering just going on alone and trying to do that but this is better it's better this way yeah it's you're fun. good it's you're, you're good with the cards bro thanks yeah i could have i could have mentioned you know uh with, with ginger there's the the eight of fire that's uh that's the third well let's see here that's the second decan of sagittarius i believe and also you know just ginger whatever the word ginger conjures you know we're always thinking about gingers coming from england and stuff like that so only a ginger can call a ginger ginger much like only a ninja can kill another ninja <laughs> pk says we should do one for gabe it's all that nitrous oxide yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> all right all right gabe we're gonna do one for you too it's been it's been decided this is fun Yep. All yeah, right. that's like a classic vibrant, just hanging, hanging and playing cards. Yep. All right. For Gabe, a card for Gabe. This one wants to jump out. Okay. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to put it back in the deck and it's like <laughs> it's really not going. Okie dokie, you get Yucca. Yucca. Hey, look at that. Yucca. What a what look at that synchronicity right there. They're making St. Bridget's Cross right Whoa. there at this time of year or at the 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 uh you know Groundhog's Day, St. Bridget's Cross, St. Bridget's Day. This is the Adelita of Earth, which is um, in this deck, the Adelita. I forgot. It's just Adelita here. Um, that would be the, um, the knight. So knight of, knight of Pentacles. And... Um, there's a, I, I, I'm going to the book here just 
just to see it, just to see that. But it the always has tentacles. Really, you said, yeah, the night, the night, yeah. So Adelita of Earth, as it's actually called. So it says, uh, put a new spin on an old tradition. Ground your spirituality in practical ways to honor your ancestors, honor the land. So that's what it, you see here in this card. It's like there's this scene of a woman who is, or a man, somebody with a feminine hands, <laughs> uh, making a bunch of St. Bridget's cross in the desert. looks like, you know, one of those um, places, probably like Sedona area. And yucca, yucca is a, a plant that grows readily in these desert parts. So finding life where life doesn't avail, uh, easily grow. Um, we also have this, that shape of the yucca, which I always you know, I think that's really a really fun shape, you know, the spiky green ball. <laughs> so making some, making some fun, uh, shape, other shapes with, uh, the inspiration provided from that one that comes up too. to me. in um, as far as the medicinal aspect of yucca goes, yucca is a plant that is really high in saponins. It's a, a steroidal alkaloid that is really cleansing. So where we get the word soap. So saponins are really cleansing to the gut, to the liver, to the blood. Um, and also just in a cleansing, um, washing clean kind of way. I think that's really in line with the, the candle moss rituals and the rituals of St. Bridget's day, because, um, there is this idea that like, okay, the, the, the worst of winter is behind us. And now we can bless the plows, the worst of, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever had to go through or whatever is, is gone. And now I can look ahead and, and there's still some time to, uh, to go before I can actually put the seeds into the soil, but at least we could fiddle with our hands and do some sort of, um, tactile thing to bide some time in order to clean and purify the, the season, the space, your mind, your body. And, uh, uh, yucca is a, is a really beneficial, um, medicinal herb for cleansing the body in this time of year in the spring and the, in the hard part of the winter. And then of course the, uh, the, the night of earth has a lot to do with that too. Like the, this is a really, um, that's the hard part of the year, right? The, the night of earth, it's like a, a strong earthy element part of year right now, even though, you know, we say Aquarius, but I, you still feel it, right? You got anything to add on that chance? Well, one thing that I would read just cause we know that Gabe is, uh, taking it easy today that the night of pentacles can talk about needing to take a time out for one's health. Like, uh, healing, rest, rest and R and R. That's one of the things you can get out of night of discs, which is pretty cool. It also is a card. It's the, one of the most like just natural earthy wisdom or natural aptitude type of thing, especially in uh, the fire, the spiritual realm. It's like, it's a grounded spiritual vision is one way you can look at it practical wisdom. So that describes Gabe really well. What interesting too, because that's the, the night of pentacles. That's like the fire of earth, right? And you can consider the yin element to be very earth. Like we got 36. This is called darkening of the light. 
and it's where the fire element supports or the clinging is uh, within or supportive of the container of the yin energy. So man, I love the art on this card. This hexagram is about a, the, a time of needing to t take it. Hmm. Take it easy is one way of putting it more like for your own protection to maintain a low profile. That might be protection from others. It might be protection just in the sense of like uh, you need the rest recuperation. We happen to know he's in that mode right now. Uh, but this is like um, a, car, a hexagram referring to a point of looking inward rather than outward and uh, some kind of difficulty or challenge that is going to be best overcome by taking a pause from all the external life stuff uh like withdrawing all of the light and brilliance that you're shining out there that torch that's letting you investigate things or that showing the way for others and taking that and shining it inwardly in your own container so from the outside you look like you've gone dark but you're actually lighting up your inner world and looking for where there may be uh laws cracks things that need that spiritual energy of your attention so that they can be be sealed and healed and it's just like a moderation take it slow take it easy type of thing so it's very fitting for uh you know your sick day <laughs> pretty cool i love i love how divination does that it's never never wrong it's always right on the money i the way i understood that when i was first starting out like how how is this always accurate it's because it's evidence that the wrong thing never happens. So whenever you have an intention and then you do a divination, the wrong thing literally cannot happen. <laughs> like only everything that uh, the truth is always in the room. <laughs> the truth is always present and self-evident. So if you if you're now looking at this thing called the tarot card or the I Ching, then the truth is going to be evident within that as well, which is pretty cool. I expect Gabe to master the 15 minute, uh, hand, uh, hand somersault, you know, what's it called? Where you're, where you're moving quickly over hand over head, uh, somersault, whatever. Yeah. He's going to have to take it easy and do a very slow motion hands in the air, feet in the air. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is a good time for everyone to just consider sending slick dissident a super chat for all the good work he does on so many people's channels. So you can do that on cash app dollar sign slick dissident, send that guy some support, you know, demonstrate the, uh, the night of pinnacles thing where you're, you're going within, you're doing the rest and recuperation, but you're still getting materially supported by the external world. That's sort of indic in indicated by that card. I'd love for you guys to prove that with some uh, support to our dear brother, Gabe. And you know what? We got some time still. I'd like to talk about your, we're going to shift gears here, but I'd like to talk about that really great episode of Root Radical podcast about the oak and all of that symbolic archive. Um, where to start really, where to start with that. I'll just let you decide where to start with that. Cause you covered so much, but I had a few things that I found interesting that I wanted to tack on. Yeah. So I, that, that was a presentation that I made for my herb of the week and I chose Oak as the herb of the week. Um, um, because the botanical name of Oak is Quercus. So like Aquarius, I thought, oh, this, this fits. And, you know, when you start 
seen some quirky uh, ways of putting things together, it's funny how more and more and more synchronicities just start piling up, especially if you're really investigating things from a, uh, a point of view that is in line with your sole purpose, right? So I started finding all these other reasons why I thought, well, the oak is really a great quintessential example of um, the of healing all types of Aquarian maladies in the body. But it really does, I'll make a pun here, open the door to a lot of uh, exploration in mythology and fun with language. And that's because the word for door is cognate with the Celtic word for oak, which is doer. And it's doer, D-U-I-R, which is also daru, daro. This is where we get the word druid, which were a, you know, maybe, maybe that's one way of getting the word druid. There's, I've, I've definitely seen other ways of getting the word druid. Um, But in any case, what, what, the Druid is often described as, as a keeper of the wisdom of the trees and that the oak is the doorway or the representation of where that wisdom comes in. This is the book, everybody. Celtic Druids by Godfrey Higgins. This is the, this is the book. If you want to learn about some Druids. Dang, that is a, that is definitely a book right there. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the the druids. Who are they? They're the lawgivers, or not the lawgivers. They were the they were the law observers. They were the diviners of natural law, which could have been um, connecting the law of the land, which is the oak tree, might be very emblematic of because it's a a tree that oftentimes would be the highest one in the forest and can grow on some high ground in places like Ireland, and also maybe the oldest. And then also um, there's a unique thing about about the oak, which has been observed by the people of the oak and all around the world, is that the oak is prone to inviting or it's like it's tempting lightning. Temps lightning is, is, a, is a really interesting way of thinking about it. And so that could be explained away. Oh, it's the, because it's the tallest. It's because it's uh, close to the sky. Well, I think it actually has a little bit more to do with the way that the oaks, uh, in at least uh, according to some accounts of the, the Druids, that it was an indication of reservoirs of water underground and that the oak was the that was the doorway. It's the doorway between the law of the land and maybe like this mythical underworld law of the water uh, 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 just a, a realm of nature that is it's difficult for us to see <laughs> right now in this in this uh type of culture that we live in but uh so because of that it was venerated in many different ways by making the the tree the oak sacred to all of the same uh kind of gods with a bunch of different names like all the lightning gods all the lightning gods right i think you mentioned it in the root radical show but that word doer that you're getting as the celtic word for the oak tree uh etymology coming to druid that you just do that d to t switch and it becomes tour or tor there's your it's thor it's thor's tree it's thor's tree yep and yep, and then you got Jupiter, you got Thorin Oakenshield. So Tolkien knew he knew it was up, 
and uh, <laughs> and that's a that's a fictional character by the way but um but maybe so is thor right so so what <laughs> it's just a younger <laughs> a younger one that might not have as a, a a deep of a a groove in the um uh egregore world <laughs> carved out as thor does but <laughs> and o- odin also is the the tree that he hangs from is the oak tree or the holm oak specifically yep yeah so that's really fun uh to to look at this tree first of all through all of that and then and then what medicine comes from having a backdrop of mythic culture and um people who venerated this tree in a way that you know it's it's almost impossible to to imagine because of how close they were to the land. I mean, it was right there. It's and and then using the tree as their temples, not and you know not as uh, not as constructing material, but as entering into with their minds through in a temple sense of their minds into a grove of oak trees and and uh, communing in nature in those particular ways, and you know, um, all kinds of various ceremonies that happen there. But of course the medicine of the Oak is, is, uh, really, it's really fun. I mean, it's a, it is a, um, excellent tree for food for a lot of people, but most people don't eat acorns anymore, but there's actually, uh, cultures that used to live on, um, acorn faji. It was called Bolano, Bolano faji. And I also, I like that word acorn because it's just like, a corn. It's a seed, you know, a seed. And yeah, the, the mythos of the seed is probably one of the most primary archetypes of the whole mythological or the monomyth. <laughs> the monomyth is the mythos of the seed goes underground, dies, germinates, pushes back above from the underworld, drops new seeds like that whole cycle. The, the corn myth is another way of putting it. So it's so important they even named uh, one of the scriptures after it, the Quran, QRN. But Kyle, I want to add to that too. One of the things I really loved was you talking about acorns. I want you to, you know, continue that thought. But you, I didn't know that the Greek word for acorn was, uh, what is it, Bellina? Bellano. Bellano, right. Bellanos. Okay. Bellanos. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Did you know? Did you know that the the ancient Celtic healing god equivalent to Apollo is Bellinus? No, I didn't. That's that's really interesting too, right? Same name. And his main sanctuary was at Achilia, which if you just switch the L to a R, it's Aquaria on the Adriatic coast of the British Isles or the uh I think that's in the British Isles. No, that's in Italy. But either way, <laughs> Bellinus is is one of the uh, epithets of Apollo or is Apollo, whatever you want to call it. But that there's your oak, your acorn, your corn myth. And even the acorn has an, is named after the same God. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And that, and that these gods are in ways, uh, you know, aspects of nature, but also per, maybe even savior gods in the same way that a mast year of oak to a people who are living on acorns and subsiding 50 to 60% of their diet on acorns 
um, that is that it's like a, a savior. It's like praise the praise the God of the oak tree or whoever brought this these seeds for us. And it's I think it's really interesting that the word acorn carried over into you know the the language of the, the English language. It's just like hiding out underneath it that uh, you know there was probably a, a great deal of uh, people still subsisting on oak. Um, seeds or acorns for food at one point, if not for themselves, for their livestock, because, you know, pigs will eat acorns and um, that's a really easy way to get food. It's just by putting your pigs under a couple oak trees and they will be able to eat for a year, according to um, at least some of the, the old ways of agriculture. So I think that's pretty interesting too. I also, the word Aquarius, I also, I'm seeing the word circus, um, which is, <laughs> I don't have anything for that. I just thought that was kind of fun, but. Um, it, it, I never, you never really think about it, but uh, I just Googled it. The average 100 year old oak tree will produce 2,200 acorns per year. That's a lot of acorns. I don't know what that weighs, but it's a lot of food. It. It's a great reminder that we're surrounded by food that, you know, the games that we play of like going to the big rectangular box store for our sustenance. That's fine. We can play that game, but never pretend like everything you need isn't just right there in nature all the time. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's. Uh, there's a lot of like traditional schools and stuff that will take you out on a field trip and you can learn how to make acorn pancakes, you know, and it takes a lot of work. You got to take the acorns, you take the stone, you take the mortar, you take the pestle, you grind them up, grind them, grind them, grind them. And then you got to leach the tannins. So in order to do that, you have to put them into a, a, a container of some kind, like a a bag where are you going to get a bag in nature? You got to make it, you got to <laughs> sew something up from a height of a deer. All right. So that's going to take a while. And then you put that, put this acorn meal into a river and you let it, the, the water run through it and leach out all of this tannic acid, which can be really hard on your stomach if you don't, if you don't. And eventually from there, you take that stuff out and you dry it and then you have flour. Well, that sounds like a pain in the ass, right? It sounds like a lot of work. Why, why would, <laughs> why would I spend all day crushing acorns to do that? Well, we also forget like where our flour comes from and how, <laughs> how much, how complicated it is to great, to, to make uh, a pound of flour unless you have a giant factory or machines and stuff like that too. And, um, it's, it can be really simple. Um, when you think about it, uh, uh, acorns compared to flour and grain, because grain requires a lot of space to grow. And then there ain't much else that you can grow in between grains. Whereas acorns, you can have our oak, um, savannas for that matter. You can have a whole bunch of other food in there and livestock grazing at the same time. And so I think it's really fun to think about the druids as, a um, as a, a law giving culture that would also be able to like um, have an intermingle between hunter gatherer and agrarian culture be by way of the oak tree. I think that the oak tree would be a great emblematic representation of that. And therefore, you know, a good example for in a case for the world tree. And from there, like my inner Mario Garza is going off and I'm thinking about the world axis and all that stuff too. Um, but of course, you know, when it comes to Apollo and the savior myth and the sun. And so because of that, the Oak, and I didn't mention this in the episode, but 
um, the the land itself is the is the maiden, and there are the masculine aspects of the maiden of of the trees that are vying for the attention of the maiden. And in the summertime, in the summer solstice, it is said that it's the oak tree, the oak king, that is like at the the height of his power, and uh, shortly thereafter is. Um, dethroned is the wild man. It's the wild man archetype that is trying to impregnate the and vie for the attention of the of the land. And then he's overthrown by the Holly King. And the Holly King is more of a representation of where we get uh, Saturnian Santa Claus. You know, with his he becomes old and uh, Holly is an evergreen, so it's you'll find it in the in the in the uh, winter time of year. So the Holly King is the representation of the winter solstice. And then shortly thereafter, and here we are in Aquarius where the sun is kind of angling up again. We get this glimmer of the, the young Oak King coming back to his glory, the sun rising in the sky. And so all of that plays off it as well in the mythos of the Oak too. And then of course, I mean, there's so much medicinal stuff in there in this episode too. And I mean, it's just really fun to talk about the myths, but the, the medicine of the Oak is something that can, I mean, besides the utility and that building and the ships and everything like that, it's just the, the, the stories, the, the, the way that it continues through the psyche, but, um, through these oral traditions of stories, that's what the thing that I find really, really interesting. And I love to convey these types of things in my lessons too. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell people how they can be a part of your podcast lecture series. Cause um, it's a, it's not all necessarily out there for free, free, free. No, it's yeah, there's a paywall. I got, I throw out one, one a month for free, but I'm doing them once a week. And so you can go to my website tippecanoeherbs.com and look for the herb of the week. It's 52 herbs. That's one year of herbs. And it's a buck, an episode. So it's 52 bucks. You get the whole shebang. You get an hour of, um, you know, herb lesson. And there, there's, I don't have a lot of, I don't know any other teachers who talk about some of the weird shit that I talk about. So in addition to the, to the medicinal applications, it's not just a boring, uh, this herb is good for pleurisy. If you have anybody coughing, um, that's no, what I, I love could. about this community around interverse is that like, once you're here and you've been around, there's just a certain level of trust. That's kind of a given. <laughs> I can just, I can assume that people here are, uh, They've crossed over a lot of hurdles of thought and belief just to be here. And we can kind of just let it all hang out. It's good. <laughs> and yeah. that goes, it definitely goes for you as far as a herbal teacher. No, no one has to be scared of cooties or germs uh, whenever they're listening to you. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a special, it's a special time. It's a important time to be um, just, you know, broadcasting and sharing your heart and you know the time time is uh time is now to do that and so i find that gosh the blessings come when you do that's why i'm really grateful for the the lessons that you provide with biofield tuning because that's that's just taking things up to the next notch and i and i love that the the way that that makes me feel um being able to stand in a alpha state and um just be a witness to the to 
the beautiful magic of this world and not even feel like I need to uh, explain it. <laughs> like, how, how am I doing this? I don't know. I don't, I don't really, actually, I don't even really care. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's fun. It's fun because when you, when you are tuning in to nature and you are acknowledging that there is this beautiful, um, healing aspect, it really just wants to be acknowledged. It just wants to be seen. It wants to be looked at. And when you share that, with, uh, you know, the joy that you do, that I try to, uh, that I find doing, um, then it just amplifies and more and more mysteries become, uh, uh, apparent. And I don't know, it's just, it makes, it makes the world fun and it makes the, it makes me feel good too. So I don't know, man, it's really, it's really cool. So yeah. And I also, um, the, the podcast, is, is um, I'll be coming up on a year of doing it. So it's something I've always wanted to do too. And I was always like, ah, am I kind of shy? What if I say, what if I sound like an asshole? Uh, what, if, <laughs> what if I say something wrong? That was kind of going through my mind a lot. And I first started tuning myself before I did this. And I was like, I hope I say something wrong. And I hope that I make mistakes because, um, that's what was holding me back was this kind of like fear of perfection. This is an Aquarius problem. You probably wouldn't understand, but <laughs> nah, nah, I got to be the best. Ascendant is Leo. So I just have an inherent perfection. <laughs> I don't have to really like worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been fun to, to, um, to actually work on myself and in, in this, in the podcast a- aspect and let go of things. Uh, when I, my first couple, two, three episodes that I did of that, I was like, I would go back and I would listen and I would just like, Oh, there's an, um, I'm just going to annihilate that. Um, okay. Going through, going through. And, and then I was like, this sucks. Dude, <laughs> I don't, dude. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. That's I just want perfection to... procrastination. Yep, exactly. And so I just, I just <laughs> That's let the it example go. I always use to talk about like right ankle. Um, perfectionism, procrastination combo in the right ankle. Like when I first started podcasting, I would, I would spend hours going through the interview and deleting every crutch word and, um, and gap and all that while I could have been putting my time, energy and effort towards something that would actually matter and help. But instead I just spun my wheels on that perfecting pointless details. That's totally get it now that is totally an Aquarian thing because it's a it, biofield wise it lives at the level of the ankles which is what aquarius rules wow yeah get it so i worked through i'm i've worked through that and i um and i still am and so when i get a chance to uh come on to your show and when i get the feedback from your from your group who have been now supporters of me in my way. And I, there's a lot of people in the chat that are, that are in my uh, root radical class and, um, and just being authentic. Uh, I feel like uh, supported by you in that way. I feel um, it, it's a great way for supporting myself as well. And so I, I thank you for that. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun, fun year. And I'm excited because that is going to expire. Like my, my duty to give an herb a week is going to expire. And then I can move into my next thing that I want to do, which is more live classes and uh, more live 
podcasting like this. So that's, that's going to be fun. Well, let's take a moment and uh, answer a few questions. I already got a couple good ones from the chat. If you want to throw one out there for either me or Kyle, now's the time. We'll see what we can fit in. I'm going to take them in order, but this is a great one from PK. If Kyle had to pick one herb to save the world, <laughs> he could sh by sharing it with everyone, what would it be? Huh. Man, that is a tricky question because I don't even know if I could. <laughs> I don't even know if I would sh share it. <laughs> That's the thing is like uh, no medicine is necessarily one size fits all, right? Right. And also, is it really. Is the is could the world be saved and anything like that? I'll tell you. Maybe my we'll just reframe it to be like, what herb is so exciting to you that you just want everyone to know about it more than any other herb on the list or plant? I'm, I'm going to I'm going to uh, do an episode. This next episode that I'm going to do is for my birthday, and I'm going to and I've been saving this one for for my birthday because it's my probably my favorite plant to work with. And it's an Aquarius plant, according to me. And I love it because it's so capable of so many different things. And that plant is Achelia millifolium or yarrow. And yar my, my friend yarrow, I, whenever I, I think whenever I'm in doubt and somebody is asking me about something and I don't really know where to go, I'll just start with yarrow and then that will find its way into the formula somewhere. And yarrow has got a great adapting um, quality. It just, it really does have a way of circulating the energy through the body, letting go of tension, letting go of tension in the gut, uh, stimulating the bile, healing. It's the wound. It's, uh, it's Achelia. So it's the wounded healer as well. It's a heal. Someone's moving furniture. Yeah. Someone's moving furniture above me. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's my very, it's my very strong boy. <laughs> Make sure. Yeah. yeah. So I had to make sure it was I wasn't just hearing things. No, no, no. It's definitely not my stomach or it's my Dobby Day and his like his <laughs> Mars return is just hulking out up there. I get totally. it. So Yarrow. So we need to put everything in a different uh configuration. We need to rethink the structure of things. <laughs> and I don't know, yeah, it's not a think for him, it's just like feel, feel, feel. But PK, your your answer is Yarrow. And, um, I'll, I'll make that one. If you don't, uh, if you're not in the, in the class, then just tune into the, uh, root radical, subscribe to that one on your player and you'll find that one in a week. This is totally like, uh, should be an off air question, but can you look at some, put some goldenrod tincture? No, it oh. doesn't have to be comped. It's just not on your website currently. And we could use some. Thank you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Just let me know. I'll send, I'll send money, whatever way you prefer. Yep. That'd be you got great. It. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Just, I just remembered. Uh, been meaning to ask you that. So the next question is from Tiffany. She says, I noticed you were in Alpha Vedic's chat the other day where they were interviewing Eileen, Dave McCusick. What did you think about reading the birth chart in the biofield? Have you tried it? I'm going to combo that question with Rand who asked, have, you, have I ever covered the Zodiac in relation to the biofield or specific points in the field relating to certain signs? So the first part of the question, I'll, I'll go with Rand's question and just say, yeah, there is a zodiacal correlation to the biofield in the sense that the, the Zodiac is a man, the Zodiac man. Really good way to understand the Zodiac is to put Aries at the head and Pisces at the feet 
and understand each of those signs as those body parts up and down the scale. Uh, we actually just talked about perfectionism or pr procrastination masquerading as perfectionism. That is uh, an Aquarian trait, apparently, and that it lives at the level of the ankles. So there's there's that way of understanding it. And then to uh, Tiffany's question about finding someone's birth chart, I've actually never experimented with that. So <laughs> that was a fascinating part of the convo. Go check out Alpha Vedic's recent cast with Eileen McCusick. She's such a legend. <laughs> it's a really good episode. <laughs> Uh, and I guess talks about done... tuning plants in that one. Yeah. And yeah. that's something and I was like, okay, if I'm doing this next year, garden. I'm going to be tuning my garden. This is it's on. <laughs> that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, so I have not tried to, to find anybody's birth chart in their biofield. I'm not entirely sure how I'd go about that. I don't doubt that that level of information is encoded in someone's energy field because it's the, uh, sort of like the structure of their mind is their their chart reflects the structure of their mind. So I'm sure it's there, but I haven't really tried it. So that's because uh, when I'm seeing clients, it's it's always for a standard session to to help heal something or to just get a general tune up. <laughs> we we never really deviate from the what we're there to do. And so I would need some time and uh, an experimental subject and maybe to know more about astrology myself. But so we're going to skip over to uh, Gabe's question. What are some of Kyle's most popular products this time of year? And what does he expect to sell more of in Pisces season? So, thanks, question. Gabe. Thanks for that one, buddy. Um, so I have a uh, man. I have ha having so much fun making these zodiacal boxes because I make my own uh, medicine for the shop and I got to keep that stuff in stock. And it's, sometimes it's a struggle to stay creative when there's like a, I got to I got to keep things in stock, but I have been dedicated to making zodiacal boxes. And so right now the Aquarius box set, we have uh, some featured herbs are uh, cacao. That's right. Theobroma. What's up, my bro. Uh, Slick dissident. I know your location. And <laughs> I don't actually know, but actually I'm just going to do a quick aside. I was driving through Indiana the other day. And as I was driving through Indiana, visiting uh, my dad who lives in Muncie and Gabe knows where that is. And, uh, but I was like, I know Gabe lives around here. And we were listening to an episode of marvelous demystifiers and I was hearing Gabe's voice coming from the screen, but I had this feeling as we were driving on this, like, country roads that like the ping of Gabe's energy was over in that direction. Like I was like, Oh, I could, I feel like I could feel <laughs> like if I didn't have a car, I could just like walk and probably find Gabe right now. He's got that, that much magnetism, the heart um, compass. Yep. <laughs> I used to do that at music festivals. I would just be like, I'm going to find Kabir now. And I would just turn in a direction and walk beeline straight to wherever they were in the crowd. It's, it's a real thing. We all have the power. The heart yep. compass, find the friends. And that's because once upon a time, Gabe ate chocolate <laughs> and he knows he's probably, I know what he's, yeah, he, was, he, he ate chocolate and that's the thing. If you eat chocolate, then, then they know where you are. They get you, they got your location. And he's the one that actually was able to show in the anagram. If you change the, the, uh, the theobroma, the P to, uh, um, uh, 
uh, or sorry, the R to a row, you get um, Baphomet. So anyway, we got cacao body butter um, with amber, which is the word amber um, comes from, um, I'm sorry, the word electricity comes from the word amber. So amber is like a, a, a fossilized crystal from the pine tree. And back in time, like um, you've had episodes where Dylan was talking about this, where like a, a, a piece of amber from in the Etrurian empire that was from, you know, Denmark or something like that, or up in Scandinavia, that was worth more than um, a man's life. What did he say? A slave in stout health. And one of the things that was really unique about amber is that when you rub it, it uh, promotes static electricity. And so back in time, people were like, whoa, what the fuck? This is crazy. Like, it's making my hair stick up. And so it was called electron or electra in um, Latin. And this is where Francis Bacon, a.k.a. Billy Shakespeare. Um, There's came an up ancient Turian amber Buddha thing. Man, they had some cool shit. And that's the get. I think that's Getty, uh, the Getty Museum. And they had. There's one that's like Mahat. That's or Mahat. The it's like a. It's clearly the Egyptian goddess with the wings outstretched, and it's just there's some beautiful pieces of amber, and so yeah, there it is. That's it. And so I've been using amber and um, also that's in that body butter. So I call it electric chocolate, <laughs> electric chocolate body uh, cacao. It's infused with cacao nibs and amber and it smells. And then I also have, it's like the actual herbs infused in there. And then I use uh, an absolute, which is like an essential oil of amber and uh, cacao absolute in there. And it is fucking awesome. I made a tincture for that too. That's a really nice tincture for the, the nervous system. And then for the second part of your question, what am I th excited about for Pisces? Um, I'm going to be doing some like bath stuff. I'm going to be doing something with... Um, I still, I'm still dreaming about it. I'm going to be doing something with, uh, kelp, probably like a kelp, either kelp bath or even a kelp brothy tea, like a, a, a broth, you know, like a umami kelp broth tea and some other stuff like that. And then, uh, blue lotus is part of my repertoire for Pisces. And so, um, and blue lotus essential oil smells so good. These Aquarius incense. All right. These are far out, man. I make an incense with the Aquarius that, and I put, I, uh, I do a little thing where I, the incense cone and I poke a little hole in the bottom and I make a little hole in the side. So it's a chimney. And when you light it, instead of the smoke going up, the smoke pours out of the middle of the incense and it like makes a pool of smoke on the ground and it looks like it looks like the incense is pouring out an urn of water and the way that the smoke Whoa. hits the 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 um the dish it like makes ripples man it is out of this world and it is backwards and it's wacky and it is perfectly aquarian and it is a it's a beautiful um and i and i love curating these things it makes me feel really it makes me feel like a really fun medicine maker <laughs> and it keeps me, it keeps me honest with the season. So, um, yeah, hot chocolate day. Nice. Um, so yeah. And Pisces is coming up. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about that already too. And so good question, Gabe. Thanks, man. Yeah. Great episode, dude. And thanks for the questions and everyone who's been hanging out. We had a really fun time. 
any closing thoughts you want to give before we uh, we plug our our collaborative relationship and our coupon code? Um, yeah, I feel like this is this episode's been really good, and uh, hopefully, I feel like it's ringing uh, some encouraging bells for some people. Um, I think someday we're going to hear that somebody heard us talking about it and uh, decided to really endeavor to practice tuning and figure out their way of doing it. I really, I really expect that there's people right now listening or that we'll hear this in the future, that that's the case. That's my hope for sure. Because I want, I love tuning people, but I would really prefer like the, the world just understood this as, as uh, commonly as people understand that, you know, to tie their shoes or something, you know, it should be, it's our human birthright to understand how our energetic anatomy works. Yeah, not, yeah, exactly. And, um, how, I don't know, just how good it is to be able to, to heal (laughs) things that you care about and like your pets, you know, that don't, that aren't going to, the the type of feedback they're going to give you is just love you more. So that's a good place to start. And with people that support you and love you and even yourself. Now that's weird and far out, but you, you throw your holographic self onto the table and, um, and see what happens. And, um, I think, I think it's really fun. So I really hope that some people get, I, I mean, Eileen's tuning forks are expensive. This like, they can be, they're expensive, but they are, they are true and they are really good instruments. And they're the type of, to me, they're the type of like legacy instruments. If you take good care of them, you're going to, they're going to last a long time. You don't have to start out with Eileen's. I mean, when I first started playing guitar, I got the crappiest piece of crap ever. And guess what? I ended up uh, getting a wife because I learned how to play the guitar on this crappy piece of crap. So, because <laughs> I met her while I was playing on tour in a different country. So, um, start with, uh, you know, what, what you're comfortable with. And I just want to encourage people to, um, to do that and then find, find ways that you could be unique about it. And uh, let's, we could collaborate, tell stories and, um, and also, and if you are interested in, uh, working with myself or with chance, you know, uh, we're also available for, for appointments and you can find that on my website too. And, um, and I also just want well to say, done, man, dude, I'm so happy about that. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're taking appointments for tuning. Like it brings a little tear to my eye. I'm so excited. I'm proud of you, buddy. I mean, I knew you were, were the right guy for it, but just thank you for offering of yourself like that. It's, it's really powerful medicine. Thank you. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm having fun doing, I have a lot of fun doing it. And, um, yeah, just want to say this has been great for me. I had an excellent time. I'm glad that, uh, I was able to step in and that you, uh, that you were, that you asked me, I'm t- dude, I feast upon uh marvel demystifiers that is a feast and i feel that acorn masked famine right now give it to me where is it come on <laughs> come on gabe i hope you feel better soon buddy and um I'm it mostly to- waits on me like the level of elaborate preparation for those shows just seems to keep growing uh you I know, know for the next episode of loki's decoding breaking brad season two episode too uh i'll just give people a clue watch out for the priestess or the high priestess card and the the lovers card that's what i'm tracking as the like the themes of that episode it's 
yeah, it's going to be a feast. <laughs> going to be good. That one's a deep one. Right. We'll bring it back. We're going to like really soon, sooner than later, maybe even Monday, probably Monday, unless something else comes up that I can put out then and it's easier because <laughs> it's a lot of work, but I love it. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm, pl- I'm plugging away. So let's uh, let everyone know what what they can do on your website that supports both of us. Do you mind? Yeah, dude. If you uh, thanks, y'all. The chat is legendary. I love uh, going back and looking at all of your messages. And um, I feel when I'm on uh, the other side and I'm in the chat, I feel a real communion and family and it's just a great chat. So if you're there and you're listening and you want to support myself and I give a kickback to my buddy chance here, if you use the code interverse, that's all capital interverse at checkout, uh, you'll get a discount and I kick that discount over to chance as well. A couple times, three times, four times a year. And just so he knows (laughs) how much y'all are popping in and showing support. And when you do, by the way, um, sometimes people are like, they, they don't use it, but then I don't know, uh, to, that you're there to give you a little extra private note or an extra little goodie that I like to include because I recognize you from the chat or something like that. So anyway, it makes me feel really, uh, connected to all of you. Um, just by, by doing that, I've, I've, I'm very honored. So thank you very much. And thank you chance for, for, um, constantly <laughs> repping that man. It's, it's great. And for sure, I will hook you up with some golden rod. Yeah. Of all the affiliates that I have, there's a few, but not a lot, but there's a few, uh, I'm most 100 percent behind typical herbs. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I use your stuff every day. I, t- I truly do. I use some, at least one of your things every day, if not a few things. It's great, great, great medicine. All right. We're going to bounce. Kyle, do appreciate this hang. I really do. It's cool to have a one-on-one. I think we haven't done that since you came on Interverse the very first time way back in the way back in the way back day. Yep. That, that one probably holds up if people want more of us kicking it. So thanks for being here. Hey, Michelle. Good to see you in the chat. I noticed you earlier. Didn't say hi. Love you, though. Uh, we miss you whenever we're doing this. <laughs> kind, of, kind of miss you. Let's think of an excuse to bring the band back together. You guys let me know if you come up with something. And with that, Merry Aquarius to all and to all a good night. Ciao, y'all.